Well, hello. Welcome to True Crime Broads. Renee, are you with me? I am here. Woo! The fifth time is a charm. Let's hope that this works. We've been having some technical difficulties. So we're <laughs> happy to be here and happy to be on the air. And um, Renee, I know you and I talked on the phone before we decided to record tonight. And um, I had been having a conversation with my husband and we sort of got on to the broader topic of this case, which is, you know, what would it take to get this case solved. And um, I had, I jotted down some ideas from our conversation as we were brainstorming. Um, do you want me to go ahead and go over those or did you want to start yeah. by saying something? Okay. I'll go ahead no, and start. Yeah. Okay. I think that it's going to take three things. And some of these were my husband's ideas and I'm just sort of regurgitating his ideas and adding to them. Um, he was saying basically there's three things that needs to happen one would be an outside outside help, more outside help. I know they've had some, and we talked about that on the last podcast, but I'm talking about a joint task force, maybe where they could share the credit. I think um, from my understanding, what might be going on here, there's some situations with egos getting in the way or people concerned about who's going to get credit. Possibly right. they're circling the wagons, um, not wanting to let anyone in to help. And, you know, you and I were talking about this on the phone earlier. We don't know. Are they refusing to talk because they know who it is and they just want to try to get enough evidence to bring that person to justice? Or is it that they really are lost and they might be embarrassed that maybe something went haywire in the investigation and they, who knows? Did they lose evidence? I mean, something, I don't know. I'm just speculating, but is whatever the case may be. Um, I just think it's time for them to crack the door open to some help or at least crack the door open and not be so mysterious. Let the media in, let somebody know something. You don't have to tell us if you have, if MPD has a suspect that they are closing in on, or trying to close in on, you don't have to tell us who it is. Just let the public know that their safety is not an issue. You are watching someone. You've got someone under surveillance. Um, We've discussed before how we personally know people who live close to the church that are concerned for their own safety. They don't like even stepping outside for a couple minutes in the evenings. That is a problem for the residents. Um, do you have anything you want to add to that? Or do you want me to just go down my list of three things? Oh, you can go ahead. I have, I made a little list too. So you can go over yours and then we'll compare. Okay, great. And then number two, um, the new district attorney that has been elected um, needs to play a much more active role in this case. And that's not a legal role. It's a political role. It's time to see some interest and action and maybe just even talk about it a little bit. The district attorney that they have currently who's on his way out, there's already been a new and elected, but of course that won't actually go into place until January. But, um, it, you know, it's time for this new DA to start working on her reelection campaign 
just understand that the people of Ellis County really care about Missy Beavers and they really care about her murder. And they also really care about their own public safety. So it is time to step up and take responsibility for this. And then I think the third thing is they're going to need some luck and you know what they say about luck. That's when preparation and opportunity come together. So I would say basically it boils down to those three things. They need outside help. They need the district attorney to play a more active role and they need some luck on their side and they need to be prepared for when that luck comes. And basically we need some courage, some determination, some humility we don't need turf wars, small-mindedness, circling the wagons. We don't need any of that. It's time for everyone to push up their sleeves and work and get out of the mindset of credit. And if it takes a joint task force to, to make that happen, then so be it. It's time to move forward working on this case. I couldn't agree with you more on any uh, on every bit of that. I mean, it's absolutely, I mean... You, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, they, they, something's got to happen. If you're, if you're just spinning your wheels and nothing's happening and you know, it's, you can't keep doing the same thing and expect different results. You've got to change it up. You got to go, okay, what can we do differently? Cause this isn't working. We got to do something else. You know, let's come on, let's get this done. You know, it just feels like they just kind of let it just, you know, they just kind of let it go in a way. And I, I, we don't know that we, we don't know. They may be, you know, eagerly, you know, going at it every day, but we don't know because they don't update us on anything. We don't, you know, and I know it's not their job to go, Oh, well, let's just let everybody know. But I mean, in, in a sense, we do need to know, we need to know, are we still looking for, you know, like you said, a homophobic maniac, you know, who's running the streets of Midlothian, Ellis County, whatever. I mean, we need to know something. We don't know. We, the last time we heard from them was 2019. That's, there's no excuse for that. Mm -mm. Um, I, there's just no excuse for that. The public needs to demand answers that, I mean, and here's the, I just think it's a problem that the police department that is in charge of this investigation hasn't had, I mean, a, a complicated murder case more than once in a generation. I mean, that's just Bring in some people from New Orleans. Bring in some detectives from St. Louis. Bring in some de detectives from Philadelphia. Bring in some detectives from Baltimore. Just places that have murders on a regular basis, that have more complicated cases. Um, help is needed here, and it's needed desperately. This is not, this is a solvable case. You know, the, the thing that, that irritates me is that, you know, I, we, you know, we, we have a million cases that you could cover, read about, you know, talk about whatever. And, and I have, you know, read over some of the information and, and listened to some podcasts and listened to some news conferences and things like that about different cases. And one of them that comes to my mind is the Delphi case, the state police superintendent, Doug Carter, um, he, he's on there and he's talking like, you think that we're not going to come find you? He's talking to the killer. He's like, oh yes, we are. You mm -hmm. want to know what Love we it. know? Oh, you're going to find out because we're going to catch you. I mean, he ain't playing. He's sitting there talking, yeah. you know, him and he's just, you know, making, you know, some 
comments that would make somebody go, oh, goodness, you know, like, uh, they ain't playing. I mean, that's the kind of thing we need. We need some aggression. We need some some seriousness. We need somebody that, that means business. And and they may, yeah. we, we, we're not saying that they don't mean business, but we don't, we're not seeing it. You know, it just would be nice for them to get on there and go, hey, we haven't forgotten y'all. We're still working on this. We, we're, you know, we're trying some different things, but I mean, we don't know because when you don't hear from them and uh, what, I mean, it's like I said, it's been last time we heard from them was April of 2019. I mean, inexcusable. And, um, you know, you know, do you know what else is inexcusable is the district attorney has never spoken publicly about this case. Never. When does that happen? That's ridiculous. Yeah, that is ridiculous. And then some, something else that's, um, you know, Carl Smith, who, seems like a perfectly nice guy the chief of police there in midlothian um i'm sure he's a great person but it's very bizarre to me that he has only spoken publicly about this case the day of the murder he was there at the podium at the press conference but haven't seen hide or hair of him since then and i i'm just really confused um i don't understand why we're not hearing from these people what do you think what do you think is driving the secrecy? Do you think they have someone, Renee, or do you think that they're embarrassed still there? and they just want to face the public? Yeah, I'm still here. Can you not hear me? I lost you for just a second, but I heard most of what you said. You oh, know, okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, I kind of think it's a mixture. Of course, we're speculating about what we think the police have done, but I mean that's all we can do because we don't know and we should know. I mean, you know, they are keeping people um, you know, up to date about what is going on with the Delphi case. And that's just one case that I've looked at. I can, I'm sure I could look, find many more. And, and where I know it's not an easy thing, I think that people need to be kept, um, they, they need to be kept accountable for what, what is going on so that the public knows, because yes, you know, we, are we in harm's way? Are we in danger? Do we, you know, right. what, do we, what do we do? We don't know. Nobody's told us anything. And- I think it's a combination of people. I think it's a combination of they thought they had it solved. They thought they knew who did it. And this is just my thinking. And it ended up that it wasn't like they thought it was. And, and you know, somebody was trying to figure, to solve it and didn't want outside help, you know, whatever. And that didn't work for them. And now they're kind of lost and don't know what to do. That's what I think. So yeah, now who knows? You know? Yeah, who knows? And, you know, whatever the case may be, even if they are zeroed in on someone and they know who did it, MPD does not have to tell us who their suspect is, but they could give us an update just so that we know that our safety isn't threatened pretty much all the time. I mean, as a resident of that area, you know, people not even wanting to step outside for a few minutes, that's a problem. Exactly. And, um, and, you know, it's, it's, and like you were saying about the Delphi case, we have, you know, I see some similarities in that case between that case and Midlothian police. And then I see some, just like you said, things that aren't similar at all. Like they're um, members of their police force talking right into the camera, talking to the killer. And we can't even get MPD up to the podium at all. Yeah. Um, it's pretty, pretty amazing. And I wonder why, you know, I've just tried to think in my mind of what would be the reasons. And the, and the only thing I can think of, I mean, in, the, the the easiest answer to me is they don't know what to say you know yeah and and it because here's the way i look at it if you are closing in on someone 
you don't have to even tell us that. All you have to say is this is an active investigation. We do have a suspect for the good of the case. We cannot share how close or how far away we are from making an arrest. You're just going to have to trust us. We're working on this day and night. We will get the killer. This killer will not go free any longer. Four years has been enough. If they would just say that much, we would all go, you know, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I mean, it's communication is, is the key here. It's not that hard to, you know, update everybody you know, whatever it is that you want, however you want to do it. It's just a simple thing. And I, I just, I, I don't get, my mind just doesn't get why they can't do that much. Right. I mean, I would think that they should have um, a task force of have Ellis County Sheriff's office over there helping um, Texas Rangers, anybody you can get and make it a joint task force. If, if they are having a hard time sharing, um, they're not wanting to share the credit. If they solve it, then, figure out a way to make it a task force. But I don't think that there's anyone at this point that thinks that a small department like MPD is going to solve this and prosecute this successfully. Um, I hope I'm wrong, but, and I think that's, so, I can't even believe I just said that because it sounds so horrible, but I don't know who, who, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm in the minority. Maybe people out there know that they're going to solve this and maybe I'm just having an off day, but what do you think, Renee? I don't, I just don't know what to think anymore, but I just feel like they need help. It's been over four years and I don't think this is an unsolvable case. No, I don't think so at all. I really don't. I mean, I get that they, you know, covered up completely from head to toe. Uh, but you know, there, I don't believe that there's a perfect murder. I know that there are murders that do go unsolved, obviously thousands and thousands and thousands of them. But I do think that, um, you know, because you, you see these cases all the time where somebody else comes in and they see something that the person didn't, the, the first officer didn't see or one of the investigators missed or whatever. So I really feel like um, if they would, you know, uh, work together with other agencies, you know, and I know that they have, but if that didn't work, then you need to keep trying. You know, you got to work and in, in, in work with someone else, you know, whatever you got to do. I agree with you. It just needs to happen. And it's just, it's frustrating that we feel like it's at a standstill. I mean, we're, we're thinking that it's like a cold case and y'all are done. <laughs> They're not working on it anymore at all, you know? Well, that's the way they've made it look. So exactly. I really don't, I don't really feel guilty for thinking that anymore. Um, yeah. Because that's the impression that they've left through their decisions and their actions. Just if you're not going to talk to us about it for what, a year, then what are we supposed to think is going on as, as the public? I mean, I get that there's that that the whole COVID-19 thing is going on. I get it. Um, I mean, you, you're constantly reminded of that everywhere you go, you know, so it's not like we don't understand that, but I still don't think that there's no way they couldn't have worked in, you know, a 15 minute update about the case. I really, I just don't believe that. I don't believe that there's any way that they could not work that in. I agree. You know, so I agree. And I I'm just not buying that know. one, you but, know, um, you know, some you of know the things that I, of, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I, it, it cut out for a second. So I wasn't sure what was happening. <laughs> our, okay. our, go ahead. Sorry. Our tonight is really weird, but anyway, um, I made a list and I, whenever you tell me you had three, I thought, oh my gosh, I have like eight, but, <laughs> but go ahead. no, that's good. 
it's kind of some of the same as some of the same stuff that you have, you know, number one, start over fresh. You know, I know that um, I've, we've seen it time and time again, where people have had to start completely over from, you know, the very beginning, obviously there's going to be some things that you can't start over with. You're going to have to use the pictures that were taken, the videos, the, um, the uh, body cams, you know, things like that. Hopefully they had those. We don't know, but um, start over fresh, you know, interview more friends and family um, and give more information out to the public. I mean, just one little piece of information, anything that you can give. I mean, maybe another five seconds of video. I don't know. I mean, you know that they were there for how long? Uh, what, 30 minutes, 28 minutes, 25 minutes. And we have two minutes and 26 seconds of video. So, you know, release another piece of video. I don't know. Something. Um, ask for more assistance from other agencies. You already mentioned that. I mean, there's got to be places that um, have been through something similar to this and they can get some information from and then communicate with the public. You, we already said that. You know, that's definite because we don't know anything. Um, find a journalist who will talk and who will, um, you know, that, you know, that's that's what they're there for. The media is there for that. And we haven't heard, we, we don't even have any media that's interested in this case. And it's super weird. Doesn't make you know, any sense. On every channel, every channel that we had on TV that in the Dallas-Fort Worth area had this case on. Every single channel. And now, nothing. What is going on with that? And the media is always clamoring for interesting things to cover. This is absolutely fascinating and of extreme local interest and also just it, I would think that in the hands of I mean where you know it's interesting you know there's people like Robert Wolonsky here locally and um, Skip Hollinsworth I, I might I'm thinking about contacting them um, and seeing if they would have any interest in you know doing a piece on this because it's just such a huge mystery and it needs to be brought into the public eye more and, you know, just brainstorming earlier, I was thinking of them and I don't know, it, it's just incredible. If anyone out there listening has any ideas, please shoot them to us if there's anything we can do. Um, or if you could do it yourself, if you have any connections in the media, please, please, please ask them to rattle the cages of MPD. Ask if they can give us some information because um, really, I don't think NPD obviously means to do this, but the message that they're sending is it's okay to to murder someone who is minding their own business. I mean, an innocent woman going to make some money for her family and help helping impacting people in a positive way and helping people feel better about themselves. And she was just, she wasn't doing anything wrong. And she gets brutally murdered that morning what i mean why is that okay why do we just go yeah you know we're not gonna even gonna talk about it anymore because it's not that important you know how did that happen renee yeah i can hear you now i couldn't for a while <laughs> okay <laughs> sorry i had this huge and then I was like, Hello. okay, <laughs> so here um, I couldn't. I don't know. <laughs> that's really weird. Um, I, I don't understand why we're struggling. Like, why you can't hear me sometimes? That's so weird. Um, so sorry about that. So anyway, um, so another thing I was thinking is, yes, we should definitely. Any of us interested in this case needs to start using any media connections that they have. 
Um, and I think we should also start tagging um, the different medias um, and, and I guess even the, I don't know, police departments, whoever, and all of our, um, you know, social media posts. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just, I guess, just keep on until we get someone's attention, I guess, you know? Yeah, it would be great. I mean, I have been, and uh, I just, I, I think I need to start reaching out directly to people. I mean, we have, I'm looking at our True Crime Broads Instagram right now. I just pulled it up. We have 692 followers, which is nice. Mm-hmm. I'm following uh, way more than that. But um, <laughs> hopefully, I mean, I would just love it if anyone in the media would pick this up and really pursue it. Not just give us a recap every year, yeah. but really, really pursue justice for Missy. Why aren't the police talking? What, yeah. What's the silence about? Yeah. Is it okay to just kill someone in Ellis County? Yeah, apparently. Obviously, obviously it's not, but I would like to see a lot more outrage from the district attorney's office. I'd like to see a lot more outrage from the law enforcement. Um, it's just been way too quiet. This woman lost her life and those three daughters lost their mother. Can you imagine going through um, dating and decisions that you have to make, college applications, even prom dresses. I mean, it, all the minor, major, and sentimental decisions that you turn to your mother for, she's gone. This person didn't just destroy Missy's life. This person destroyed an entire family. And then, yep. of course, we've got Missy's family of origin suffering. Yep. Um, I really don't understand. Um, I don't, I don't understand how we got here. I, it, it just seems like such a lackadaisical response to a human, an innocent human being being murdered. I wonder if there's someone in the family that would be interested in, uh, kind of, um, you know, uh, being the, the, the uh, spokesperson or something, somebody to, to kind of get things rolling because that's usually who can put the pressure on. Um, and I, you know, I don't know if there's, you know, I don't know. I don't know if there's somebody in the family that would be willing to do that. But I mean, typically, you know, when family members, because, you know, in the Delphi case, Kelsey German is the sister yes. of Kelsey German. And she's the one that's kind of taken over this. And at the time of their death, she was 17. And of course, now she's 20. And she's kind of taken over that role. And she's been mm-hmm. on podcasts. I mean, she's done all these different things um and she's managed to um they've got this kind of like a uh, they're going to do an abby and libby memorial park they've got three softball fields it's going to mm-hmm. be there mm-hmm. on walking trail a memorial path with different names of victims that have um that have i guess family members that have been murdered you know in maybe the area i'm not sure about that part of it but she's also a social media advocate advocate and mm-hmm. you know just she's 20 years old. I mean, for her yeah. to be doing that, it's, it's keeping, you know, the police, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of keeping them connected and, and able to, right. to go through and do stuff. And I just wish that there was somebody, and, and I'm not saying that because there isn't, that it means anything that nobody cares, but I just feel like if a family member was like, you know, we need some answers, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I think yeah. that would make a huge difference. Yeah, that, that you make a good point. And I think you, you might remember, our listeners might remember at the beginning of our last podcast, I mentioned that victimology podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, 
That's right. Um, Liberty German's sister that you were talking about, Kelsey German, was actually the um, guest on that podcast I listened to. And she just did a really good job. And bless her heart, I've heard her on other podcasts talking about how she has some feelings of guilt because she was the one who dropped Liberty and Abigail off, Libby and and Abby off because they were wanting to go to the park. But of course she can't feel guilty about that, but that's human nature to feel that way. Right. But that's what they wanted to do. And it was a very nice thing for her to do to drop them off there. So, you know, I I hope and pray that she'll find that peace someday, but I know it must be difficult and, and it must be very cathartic for Kelsey German, um, the older sister to be able to go on podcasts and talk about her sister and talk about the case and do the things that you described in the community. Cause it really not only keeps her sister's name in front of law enforcement, it just keeps her name alive in general. And hopefully will over time that will take over those feelings of guilt that she's had. Um, right. But yeah, you're right. Things like that are wonderful. I know that um, there's a fantastic lady um, named Renee Jones that um, was Missy's trainer uh, actually that recruited her to become a member of camp gladiator and taught her how to do the job. And I know that she's done, she's been behind the five K for the Salvation army. I think they did that in Missy's name. I don't have details, but I just remember she's been associated with those activities and, and Missy had also worked with Renee Jones on activities to help others before she was murdered. So just, I agree with you. Those, those things are cathartic for the victims, friends and family, and it helps keep their name out there. I hope that they'll continue those things and even do more as time goes on. Um, I just, um, I I don't know what to say or do about this case sometimes anymore. I mean, I know I've said a lot tonight, but (laughs) lately, uh, yeah, I can hear you fine. I haven't had any trouble hearing you at all. No, I I could hear you. I was just going to say another thing that I forgot to mention earlier, and I don't know why this wasn't at the top of my list, because I was actually driving down the road the other day. And it's kind of funny because me and you, um, sometimes we think completely different and from different perspectives, of course. And then sometimes we are exactly on the same page. And I was driving down the road and I was thinking about the case and I was just like, there's got to be something. There's got to be something. There's got to be something. And I looked up and I seen this billboard and I thought, wouldn't that be great if we could get a billboard with, you know, I don't know. uh, Have you seen this person or who killed Missy or do you know anything? I don't know. Just somebody would have to collaborate on what would be best to put on a billboard. And I was like trying to figure out like how much it would cost. And I called a couple places and left a message because you, you go down the road and it'll say, um, does this billboard work? And it it says it just did. It has a phone number. So I called and I didn't get an answer. I don't know. Maybe they were closed because of, you know, the COVID-19. But anyway, I had thought about that. That was the only thing I could think of that was completely Mm -hmm. different than anything we've, you know, that we've thought of before. And I don't know how, uh, often people do billboards. I know of another one other case that the billboard was up, and that was the only reason I knew about the case. It was many years ago, and it happened in Ellis County, but it was the only reason I knew because they had a picture of a woman and a baby, and it was like, who killed us or something like that. So I thought, mm. maybe I, wish I, knew. I don't know how those things, that, like if the family pays for them or if people just raise money. But if anybody has any ideas or think, you know, any information about those. Yeah, I I would, I would think it would probably be pretty easy to get some kind of a crowdsourcing thing together where we could get enough money for a billboard. That's a good idea. I mean, shoot, nothing else has worked. Right. And you know, what's crazy about that whole thing is that one of our uh, listeners, um, the one that um, is from 
She's, she's from Texas. Anyway, she said today something about getting a billboard up. And I was like, that is so crazy because I was just thinking about that the other day and I wonder how much it would cost. So it was kind of funny because we're all kind of on the same you know page on that. But that was one thing I thought of. And I thought that would be. You know, one, one thing, though, I would vote for. And of course, we would open this up to anyone who donated money or anyone who's listening, of course, any supporter of Missy's case. Um, but here's my vote, if I may be so bold as to vote first but i would say that it should be in ellis county and i would recommend maybe on i-35 with the maximum amount of traffic going by right oh i agree i agree and and, and i think the one that i've seen uh because i was thinking about one on 287 but i think that one doesn't oh, have enough true. traffic well there's not as much traffic on 287 i mean there is but i mean i don't know you know, yeah, I, maybe because maybe, maybe 35 would bring in out of towners and hit Ellis County residents also, maybe. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah, well, I, I thought of 287 too, though. But then I don't know, for some reason, I was had 35 kept popping in my head. Yeah, or even 67. Now, I don't know. 67 does end at some point. So I don't know. But anyway, I just I seen a billboard and I thought that to my mind, in my mind, I thought, man, that would be great because. Like I said, I remember that case, um, and I think we talked about it before, and I can't give you names right off the top of my head, but it was the woman that her, she was murdered, and her grandson, what she left, I guess she left, I don't know if she left the grandson or not, but she was in the vehicle with her grandson, and I guess whoever it was that killed her took her out of her car and killed her. Well, the baby got left in there, and the baby inevitably died because being left in a car, yeah. a hot car really sad anyway i just remember the billboard having the picture of her and her grandson and i thought huh that's weird what is that about and then i found out what the case was about and and so um i just i just you know thought that maybe that's some option we have you know yeah get some attention you know right so yeah and 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 also i think that i i mean there was a new district attorney recently voted in um, to replace the current one, whose name is Patrick Wilson. And the new district attorney, my understanding is she, I don't know what her name is. It escapes me right now. I should have looked it up. But she. Are you talking about the one that I went. Yeah, the one, the one you went to the rally and. and What's her name? Anne Montgomery. Okay. So Anne Montgomery is taking over that role and if you are comfortable at all talking about your conversation with her just if you would just share that that'd be amazing are you there yeah can you hear me yeah i've i've been hearing you the whole time okay go ahead I was just going to say, if you're comfortable at all discussing your conversation with Anne Montgomery um, when you met her at that rally, is there any part of that you'd like to share? Yeah, that'd be fun. Okay. Okay, so um, apparently she had a um, she had a um, meet and greet and it was in um, Midlothian and there was actually two one for her the uh the other person that was running and I don't remember her name off the top of my head but there was a meet and greet 
And I didn't know which one I was going to go to because I really didn't know a lot about them. I had found out at the last minute that um, that something was going on. You know, they, they were even having this meet and greet. So I went ahead and decided to uh, go ahead and attend. And anyway, she ended up showing up to the, um, the, the facility. And I think it was probably, I don't know, maybe like... It was, it was a little bit later. I think it started at like six and she ended up getting there about six 30. But anyway, I was the only one that showed up. And, um, so I told her that I was there and I was, you know, representing, um, some constituents in Ellis County and wanted to talk to her about the Missy Beavers case. And, um, basically in a nutshell, I, I was there for the full hour, but in a nutshell, she basically explained to me that, um, she she kind of explained it to me like this that there was another case that was in that had been going on in the county um ellis county and basically that case got um didn't go the way they had planned it to and it ended up getting uh the person ended up getting they ended up getting, I'm sorry, I can't figure out how I'm wording this. They ended up seeing that the, the person ended up being not guilty when they thought they had a slam dunk case is what I was trying to say. And so I said, so are you saying that y'all have someone and you don't have a case, so you're just not going to do anything? And she just kind of danced around it. I mean, I'm sorry to say that, but that's the way I felt. She kind of danced around it, didn't really give me any solid information. Um, it, it was just it was very odd. Well, and I remember, I remember at the time afterwards, I remember it was really cold when you went. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. I remember thinking, Ooh, Renee got out in the cold and went right. to that event. That's probably why she didn't have anyone show up because it was one of those really cold evenings. Um, and I, uh, I remember you saying at the time that when you sort of asked that question that you just, you posed the question that you sort of just explained about, you know, if you have someone or what, and then she sort of flipped over to that case and she just said, it's not as easy as the public thinks it is. Am I remember that? Do I remember that accurately? Yes. Yeah. And, and I don't know. It just, the more I think about that over time, I hadn't thought about that in a while, but it almost sounds like the DA's office is making excuses. And I, I just wish that we knew more so that we wouldn't feel that way when we hear stuff like that. But I don't know. And, you know, there's another thing that came out of the DA's office um, pertaining to the Missy Beavers case. Um, they had executed a search warrant on someone who was apparently a POI at the time. And uh, we don't know if they found any evidence. They obviously didn't find enough or else there would have been an arrest. But we don't know what was actually we saw the return warrant, but we don't know how much of that's going to turn into evidence if any of it but unrelated to missy's case they found child pornography on this poi's devices while they executed this search warrant in the missy beavers murder now we have a man with a considerable amount of child pornography on his devices okay I don't remember the exact number. I was looking at the arrest record the it other day. It was a large kind of, number. I don't remember the number either, but yeah, 
it was split up into pieces. They said something like there was like 20 of this type of an image and 19 of that kind. It was around 50, maybe 56, 58 images. So that's not something that is accidentally downloaded. Um, that's a deliberate collection. I think we can agree on right. that. So we have child pornography. Child pornography. Just let that sink in for a minute. And guess what the Ellis County District Attorney's Office did? What? Nothing. <laughs> I had to ask that just they, so you could answer that. <laughs> <laughs> you let me have my dramatic right. nothing. They did not prosecute it. That's outrageous. That is outrageous. I spoke to an attorney. I, I ran that past an attorney. And he said that should have been a slam dunk indictment. Yeah. I, I mean, what? Now we heard some information about, oh, well, the device wasn't password protected. Um, so I don't understand. Uh, I do not understand why the district attorney would why that office would go, yeah, we're not going to pro- prosecute that. Um, I don't understand that. Does that make sense to you? No, it doesn't. Absolutely. doesn't make sense to me. And I don't understand it. I don't know why that wasn't like a, I don't know. I don't understand why, you know, it would be like, oh, okay, well then just forget it. You know, like, no. Well, and they held the man in jail there for 72 days because he couldn't afford the $200,000 bail. I understand that. Um, why then did they, uh, and, I, and I assume during that 72 days, they were hoping to get him to talk, you know, if he was indeed Missy Beaver's killer, they were going to uh, try to get him to talk while they had him locked up. Apparently he didn't because he's, you know, off at home. Somewhere. Right living his life so my question is regardless of whether or not you can find any evidence to tie him to missy's case regardless of if he's guilty or innocent of killing missy this completely separate very serious felony charge why did that just get let go unbelievable i just i think that people should be demanding answers and um hey hey renee i got your message we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back thank you for joining us wyndham hotels and resorts makes travel possible for all whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee a roomier rest for the on a whim road trippers or a place to make summer memories with the whole family No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Welcome back to True Crime Broads. We just went on a break. Renee, you there? Yes, I'm here. Well, that was kind of hilarious. You were having your own like true crime situation unfolding and you were I'm trying like, to tell me and I was like, hang on, I'm on a roll. Let's just, <laughs> I didn't say I was on a roll, but I was thinking it. I was like, let's keep talking about this for a minute and then we'll break. And sorry, I didn't realize that you had 
a situation actually unfolding. So that's, and you know what? I thought we were having connectivity issues, reception issues. So I kind of did hear you doing something in the background, but then I thought it was interference <laughs> on the line. That was funny. Oh, wow. I know. I was, um, it was crazy that there was uh, some people here at the hotel and, and mind you, I don't, I'm pretty particular where I stay at. I don't stay usually in, in bad neighborhoods if I can figure out that, you know, they are, aren't, and I don't stay in, you know, places, you know, the places that you would typically see stuff like that. And I've never had a problem here. I've stayed here so many times over the past three years, never had a problem. And then today it's just been all day. It's just been ruckus going on all day. And um, then while we were having the podcast, somebody was outside the door and in another room and they were making lots of noise. And all of a sudden they literally slammed up against the door. Like I thought they were coming through the door. And while we were, can you hear me? I can totally hear you. Yes. Okay, good. And while we were, while you were talking, thank goodness you were talking, I just put the phone down for a second and called the front desk. And I was like, there's a problem up here and you need to get up here and fix it now. And so Hmm. anyway, he did. And, um, and then you, you helped me take the break that we needed to take. And then um, the cops came and it was really crazy. And, and it was so stupid about the whole thing is, is that the cops came, there was like six cop cars and then everything, everybody went their separate ways. And now they're back out there again. Now they're not making any noise, but it's still just, you know, when you have people hanging out after midnight, it's just typically they're up to no good. So I am Hey, I had no idea that was unfolding. I was just la 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 <laughs> blowing through my my speech there. Um, okay, so I guess kind of where we left off, I was basically just talking about the district attorney's office and how confused I am about why they didn't prosecute the child pornography, which I thought that would get prosecuted regardless of anything else going on in the world. I just thought exactly. I can't imagine. I just can't imagine that that got glossed over like that. I'm sure they have some kind of an explanation for it, but I can't imagine what it is. It just seems unacceptable. And, but you know, the woman that you were talking about in Montgomery, mm-hmm. it sounds like she, uh, what she is the, um, district attorney elect. And she came from his office, the current district attorney, yes. um, Patrick Wilson. Sorry. I keep saying, um, I'm trying not to, and I keep doing it, but, um, um, there, do it again. It's a horrible habit. Stop with the yeah, ums. I get it. Oh my gosh, I hate it. Sorry, everybody. But anyway, Patrick Wilson, um, his oh, I said um, his <laughs> office is the same as Ann Montgomery's office. Right. So really, they basically this the people of Ellis County just reelected basically the same office. Um, so I don't really know how they differ did she point out any differences between herself and patrick wilson or is she basically aligning herself she's aligning herself she talked about um because we did we discussed a little bit about some of the issues that uh, patrick wilson had while he was in office or he's still in office but you know what i'm saying by the majority of his tenure there and um she talked a little bit about that she didn't talk a whole lot about it but she defended him and you know explained that um you know, she kind of is in the same thinking that he's in. And, and, and I believe that because of the things that she said about the case, it was just kind of like, well, you know, so it wasn't wasn't a positive experience. I can tell you that. Interesting. Well, I just hope that something changes over the next year. Um, I just don't think that we can do four more years of this. 
I really hope that something breaks loose in this case, obviously. And I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you feel the same way we do, you wouldn't be here. Right. I, I um, want to tell you something real quick. Um, it's, <laughs> I actually ended up having a little bit of time after I gathered all my things and switched my rooms and got everything set back up again. Um, you were nice enough to, you know, go run some errands so I could get all that stuff done. So now um, <laughs> I, I had a few minutes to look over some stuff and I did not realize how many cases have used billboards for um, getting tips and catching a killer. I'm, oh, good. You mean they were actually successful? Yeah. The, the very first nice. case that has ever been used to catch a killer by the police, by the police now, was Oba Chandler. It was out of Tampa Bay, Florida. And I don't know a whole lot about the case. I just know that he was an uh, American serial killer convicted and executed in 89 for killing Joan Rogers and her two daughters. And the police mm-hmm. actually used a billboard to um, put up, you know, they were looking for, you know, I don't know exactly what they put on the billboard because I didn't get that far, but um, they were successful in that. They got tips. They were led to the person's home and he was arrested and then the rest is history. But there's tons of them. There's one where a man by the name of Allie, uh, uh, I'm sorry, a woman by the name of Allie Kemp, a young girl, young woman, um, she was killed. She was like a, she worked at a pool doing like the, you know, people checking it, you know, coming in to swim and making sure I guess they had everything. Maybe they had to pay. I don't know. And um, long story short, she was killed and her father went to go get a billboard to help catch her killer. And the company actually, um, the advertising company that had the billboard, they actually ended up donating it so that he could use it and they would actually switch it to different locations and they ended up getting a bunch of tips and ended up catching someone on that case as well. That's awesome. Two out of many. You know, over the years, I remember seeing them. I think even when I was a kid in the car with my parents, mm-hmm. I think I remember seeing a couple of case, you know, if you've heard anything about this, call this number. Right. Um, kind of about murder cases. So, yeah, and, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I like the idea. And they said the reason that they're, they're so successful, I mean, I know some of it's probably obvious, but it makes perfect sense, you know, that we do social media and, and, it, and it's really good. Of course, we, a lot of these times, they didn't have all of the things that we have today. But I still think that it would be good because it's 24-7. It's not when somebody's on social media, it's always there for people constantly passing by and seeing it. And they said as soon as they put um, uh, a murder, you know, investigation type information on a billboard, they instantly start receiving tips again. Wow, that's so cool. And you know, things that you do see when you're driving are very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but I think it was about 20 years ago. I was a, I, I was really young. I remember there was the case. It was a little bit more than 20 years ago, 25 years ago, maybe. Um, there was a case uh, over at DFW Airport where they used to have in the mid to late 90s is when I believe this took place. Cause I'm thinking about what I was doing back then. And I was at the airport a lot. And I remember my dad was dropping me off this one particular time. And they had just put in those signs that tell you, okay, so you're driving toward the airport and you're getting in your lanes. And there was these signs up above that would tell you when things departed and what was delayed. It was really nice, but it was designed for obviously for the passenger to look at, or maybe the driver to glance at for a second, but it wasn't intended to 
replace calling to hear what was going on. This is before everyone had smartphones and stuff like that. So you would pretty much look at that sign or there was a number you could call to hear what was delayed back then, mm-hmm. like 1997, I would say, mm-hmm. 1996, somewhere in that range. And the signs were up. Well, someone had an accident, a, a tra- you know, they smashed into another car and they blamed it on those signs, which I thought was really interesting. But I guess the point I'm trying to make here is that people do respond to signs you know you look at them and you can't help it you know even if uh, I don't know I just found that even when I knew that mine wasn't going to flash up there and I knew exactly because I had just gotten off the phone and checked my flight I still find myself wanting to look at that you know what I mean because even if I didn't need the information yeah so oh and this is ironic this is a side thing speaking of that case with American Airlines that there was a civil lawsuit as a result of that wreck and the people sued American airlines for having those signs up. (laughs) And I know I wanted to say, Hey, that was your own stupid fault for using it wrong, but they blamed it on American airlines. And I was on the mock jury for that. And guess who, yeah, guess who was there. I got to meet him. This is before he was who he is now, but it, the owner of that, jury consultant company was phil mcgraw dr phil but this is before he was dr phil yeah and i remember him going he he looked and talked just like he does on his tv show (laughs) he had his hand up on his chin and i remember he pointed at me because everyone had to raise their hands i was in the vast minority um i was pretty much the only one that thought that the driver of the car was at fault and that they really so yeah i was amazed but anyway, I raised my hand and he said, now what made you vote that way? And then I explained it. But anyway, um, that was a cool experience. And I, was, um, that's a little aside thing I wanted to mention. Dr. Phil, he used to live in Dallas. Those of you that don't know it, who couldn't tell from his accent, but he, right. he owned a place called that. The name of his company was called courtroom sciences. And it was a lot of fun. I did it in between car shows. Uh, a good friend of mine from growing up from high school was actually the receptionist there. And she called me one day and said, hey, would you want to come be on a mock jury where I work? And I was like, what? I was like, yeah, I'm home. I'm in town. So she signed me up and it was super fun. So anyway, and I got paid. Yeah, and it paid well, too. It was really a neat experience. But anyway, so I really went off on a tangent there. But it's okay. um, But yeah, I agree. I think that a billboard would be a great idea. So maybe we could, if anyone out there is an expert on crowdsourcing, I mean, I guess we could just do a GoFundMe or something, or maybe have a third party collect the money. I guess GoFundMe is a third party, aren't they? Um, Well, you know what? Something that would hold, something that would hold us accountable. I mean, I wouldn't want people to think that we were trying to, you know, collect money for our own benefit or something, we would have to have some way that we could show the public that the money that we collected did 100% go to the billboard. So I'm not quite sure how to do that and how to set that up, but we should look into it for sure. Yeah. You know, I looked um, while I was sitting here looking these up, I was shocked at all the cases that, uh, like I said, that had been solved using billboard advertising. And the one that I was telling you about, about the girl, Allie Kemp, that was killed, um, Lamar Advertising, um, <clears throat> donated a billboard and so while I was looking that up I just typed in billboard advertising because I have googled this before and you know we I'm sure we've all googled all kinds of things and you just type it in different ways until you figure out a way to find what you're looking for 
And for some reason, I haven't ever been able to find it, but it's weird because today <laughs> while I was doing this, I found it. So I found several different websites and then it was kind of weird the way they were, they, they were worked. You couldn't, I couldn't really figure anything out. And then I got Lamar advertising and I didn't look it up specifically. It was in the list. So anyway, I pulled it up and it has a map and you just kind of um, shows you United States and you zoom in and you find your city and you click on it and it shows there's two billboards in Midlothian. Um, I don't know that they don't seem to be in a really good location in my opinion, but you can look at them later. But anyway, and then I scrolled around and I found two in Waxahachie and they're kind of uh, headed towards Midlothian. There's one headed towards and then one headed from, you know, either way. But anyway, it was just interesting. And it has like, it shows a picture of where it's at. It shows the price. So anyway, just something to think about. Maybe we could, you know, kind of work towards doing something like that. Yeah, that's a great idea. And um, I mean, who normally pays for those billboards? Would you say it was the family or law enforcement in the past? It's been both from what I can tell. All of the few cases that I looked up. Now, one of them, it says Clear Channel. And I think Clear Channel is a, is that a cable channel? I know I've heard. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard of it too. They actually donated the billboard and they moved it accordingly for this one case for a Michael Hagen Jr., um, and then the police handled another one. And then that other one I was telling you about, the father was going to pay for it. And then the, when they found out what he was doing, they just donated it to him. And then he did other things like they did posters and things like that. But that was just three cases that I really just glanced over just to kind of, you know, skim through the wording and stuff um, that I've seen. So I think it comes from different people, like families do it, police do it. Yeah. I just, I just looked at clear channel and clear channel has a, division that does outdoor advertising oh, like yeah. signs and stuff so that probably was board, that digital billboard i bet is what it was on that one yeah, yeah. It, it says clear channel outdoor holdings incorporated also known as clear channel outdoor is an american out-of-home advertising company based in new york city it was formerly a subsidiary of iHeartMedia, media mm-hmm. which i don't think we're on yet whoops we need to be um so anyway yeah that's pretty cool um interesting for sure it would be you know that would be ideal instead of collecting from our listeners and from supporters it would be really nice if a company would donate a billboard um absolutely that would be great yeah what better way to get advertising i mean you know what i'm saying In in a in a way um to donate something for such a great cause and then everybody finds out about it and it just because i mean i didn't know anything about lamar advertising you know Right about it until I read it in that article that they donated it for someone to to do the same thing that we're wanting to do. So I don't know, maybe we can, you know, you, you bringing that up brings up another question that a lot of people have asked. And over the years, um, there has been no mention lately. There was companies that was, um, Oak, Oak um, I'm drawing Oak Farms. Farms. Thank you. (laughs) Do we still have the, reward it was up to i believe fifty thousand dollars at the top end the last time we heard mm-hmm. but that's been years now is that does that still hold true if someone calls in a tip i've wondered that, that. gets an arrest yeah i've wondered that does that like expire does it just stay forever i mean i don't know how that works i really don't i don't know if they like put the money somewhere and it just stays until something happens we, maybe we can um you know if anybody knows that answer please let us know because we don't obviously know um but that would be a really good uh, that's a good question. And that would be something that would be 
very beneficial to know because I have no idea. And I don't even know who, you, I mean, obviously, I guess you would ask the police, but is, is that something that they would be like, oh, yeah, or, you know, I don't know. Right. Yeah, I've wondered about that. A couple of people have asked us and I just don't have any information on that at all. I, I remember the last time it was written up in the media, but that's been a couple of years at least now. I think the one for Delphi, and I can't remember the, the amount, but I mean, that um, that uh, reward um, is very large. It's like in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that makes sense because that case has gotten a lot of traction as far as the public eye. Mm -hmm. I feel like Delphi now is much, has a much bigger following than Missy's case. Mm -hmm. It just seems to get a lot more media attention. I feel like the Delphi case, well, and also because their, their police department is good about updating. Um, But yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard anything about our, reward in a long time and just even announcing that would bring some attention to the case again right i i agree it's a big um a big silent mystery (laughs) it really is a silent mystery um is there anything else we wanted to cover and i keep saying um over and over i is there a class i can take to teach me how to stop (laughs) saying um it's ridiculous you know what it's so crazy because i think it's become a a habit for people to do that when we're looking searching for words which I know I do all the time I'm always like what is that word I'm trying to say and it's not something that I you know I really don't know it's just I can't think or maybe I'm thinking of too many things at once I think it's just a habit we've gotten into because I know I do it too um like right now see like um well (laughs) it's just maybe if we (laughs) maybe if we ever get a budget to work with we can hire someone to edit out our ums i'm sure there's people in the audience right now audibly clapping but yeah we need i would love to get rid of our you know little bleeps and blurbs but we are very we're we're busy moms and busy with work and uh, just it's not in I don't think we have an extra even five minutes to put into editing. So maybe someday we'll get there where we can hire someone. That would be really good. I know um, the girl that uh, one of the girls that I watch a podcast, watch a podcast. I watch it. I guess it's a video (laughs) cast. I don't know. Anyway, it's on YouTube and she, you can tell how she edits hers, but I really like it because she'll be talking and I guess maybe she goes, Oh, or, you know, something like that. And she just cuts it off and then just instantly starts the next, it's kind of like that thing you were talking about where it automatically um, cuts out spots. That would be so good. I really, I really think that victimology has something like that because hers, there was no hesitation. There was no dead air. There was no dead space. There was no interferences, no funky sounds. And, no ums i really think that they have their editing and we need to figure out how to do that right i agree so if anybody has any pointers on that as well (laughs) (laughs) that's right (laughs) yeah um but that's what we're going to talk about you know i think i pretty much spoke my piece and then we had the thing happen at your hotel and then i went to kroger and then i came back and unloaded my groceries and came back in here to finish recording oh I did want want to tell you a little story that happened I just just you know this whole COVID thing um is just oh my gosh I mean I get it and I know we've talked about this before 
but it just drives me nuts because it's like, okay, so you can go to one city. So me, um, me and the girl that work together, we went to one city and we're at New Braunfels and um, everything's fine. You know, you go in the store and some people are wearing masks, some people aren't, you know, they've got like one way in a store and one way out, you know, that kind of thing, whatever. So everything's fine. And so we, I wanted to go to this one store that I've been looking for and you know how in where I live in Waxhachie, they don't have a whole lot of stuff there. So we go to the city and I'm thinking, oh, while I'm here, I want to go to this one store because we don't have one. So we travel to the next city over, um, San Marcos, and we go into the store and we walk in the door and we don't even have our hand off the door. And the lady goes, do you have a mask? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, okay, let me go get it. So we go to the car, we get our mask, we come back. Cause I, I don't know about anybody else, but I can't breathe with them on. I put it on and I instantly feel like somebody's got their hand over my mouth and they're just keeping me from breathing. Like it's, it's brutal for me. I mean, I, I'm claustrophobic anyway, but it makes it even worse. But anyway, mm-hmm. so I go in there and I'm walking around and I'm pulling it away from my face every few minutes of breathing, you know? And so I'm looking for something. And I asked her, I said, where's the whatever I was looking for? And she points just across the room like it's over there, you know. So I go over there and I can't find it. And finally end up finding it to no help from anybody that worked there. Matter of fact, they weren't doing anything but just standing over in some side thing doing nothing. It was really frustrating. And I said all of that long story to say this, you know, just because we have this situation that's going on. I don't think it's a free pass for people to act like jerks and treat people like crap. And, you know, it's not a, it's not a time for you to be like, Oh, there's this COVID Mm -hmm. going around. So let's just stand over here and avoid everybody. If you, in my opinion, are that scared of the virus and that's fine that you have every right to feel however you feel and to be however you want to be, but you do not need to work with the public. You need to find a job where you can work from home or, whatever it is that you can do because you can't just sit over here and now not treat customers like customers and just act like we don't, you know, scream at us when we walk in the door. Do you have a mask? I mean, how about, hi, welcome to right. the store. And uh, we do require a mask. Do you have one that you can put on to come back in the store? I mean, there's nice ways of saying it. I'm just right. irritated at all these people that are just so rude. And it's just frustrating to me. I just well, you know what's really, you know what's really strange is where I live up here, just north of Dallas, is everybody. I mean, not everyone, but of course, a high percentage of people were being super cautious a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Something changed in the last, not even a week, like the last few days. Something has changed, and everything just looks like it's pretty much back to normal. There's still some restaurants that are closed. Um, not everything is in full swing, but pretty darn close. I mean, traffic is heavy again. Everybody's out and it looked like a ghost town, you know, like toward the end of March and in some, a lot of April, but man, things are just wild now. I mean, business has picked up, which I'm happy about. There's just, it's really amazing though, the difference. I'm just noticing a huge difference in people's attitudes. People are a little more upbeat. Um, people are not, it, people aren't staying home anymore. People are no longer sheltering in place where I live. That is for sure. You know, and I, hope, let's see. I hope that that brings them with, with the moral, more normalcy that we get back in our lives. And I know it won't be a hundred percent, but the more we get closer to that, I hope people will go back to, and I know it wasn't across the board, but at least it was a little better. 
Um, I hope they get back to their, you know, courtesy, common courtesy. Yes, yes. Things like that. Because it's, it's really frustrating. I mean, it took everything I had. If I wouldn't have really needed what I needed to go get, I would have been like, you know what? I'm not even coming in your store because you're rude and disrespectful. And I'm not going to be treated like that, but I really needed it. So I had to put on my mask, bite my tongue and walk on in, <laughs> you know. Right. Well, today is May 20th and my mom texted me earlier and I haven't had a chance to read about this, but she said it was just announced on the news that schools will reopen on June 1st. And Ooh. that's very interesting. And that means that my daughter is going to be thrilled to have her college classes in person this summer, my oldest, but I I don't know, you know, it's really interesting to see what happens. I really hope and pray that the COVID virus will subside. I hope that reopening and getting back out there won't make it spread like wildfire. I just really hope that this thing calms down and we can get some normalcy going again because our economy might collapse if not so i really pray that all the people who have been ill with it um get healthy and stay healthy and this thing will stop spreading you know it's really scary you and i were talking about this um you know i was watching something and it was talking about how some people won't have any symptoms and then some people will a really good example of that is Alexandra Wentworth. Do you know who she is? She's an actress, comedian. She mm-hmm. was on In Living Color a long, long time ago. Ooh, okay. um, anyway, she was on Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee fairly recently. I really like her. But anyway, she's married to George Stephanopoulos, and she was being super cautious. I was looking at her Instagram before she tested positive, but she ended up testing positive and getting really sick with COVID. She was quarantined for 16 days, flat on her back, sick as a dog. Not in the hospital, but at home. Wow. And check the, check this out. Okay, so George Stephanopoulos, I kind of think, now I don't have proof of this, but I kind of have a feeling that he um, travels a lot because most political consultants, and then, you know, now he's a, a member of the media, um, most people like that just travel a lot, and they're around people. And she was sheltering in place and being really cautious, and I had been watching her before she got sick on social media. So I kind of think it's possible that he got her sick, but check this out. George Stephanopoulos tested positive for coronavirus, but he had zero symptoms. Like he never got sick to this day. This is like a month ago that, um, all this went down, but yeah, she was sick as she could be. She said it was like the worst flu you could ever have. And she just said it went on and on and on. But George, her husband, tested positive, had not one symptom. They didn't mention their kids, and I know they have kids at home. So it makes me wonder if their kids were also just carriers and didn't have any symptoms. But it's just such a – this illness is such a mystery, and it's making some people really, really sick. So I know it needs to be taken seriously, but at the same time, too, we've talked about it. There's a big concern about, you know, the economy and – what that could do to people's mental health and all that. You know, I was reading an article that says that teenagers are more likely to die from suicide than from coronavirus. And they were just saying, you know, let your teenagers see each other, let them hang out a little bit or else 
their mental health could be at risk and things like that. It's really interesting all the different ways you can look at this crisis is we've never been through anything like that before. So no kidding. We're all learning. We're all learning together. Well, you know, first I want to give you a shout out for being able to say Stephanopoulos because that's pretty remarkable. (laughs) You just said it. I I heard you say it a couple of times. So I got it, but I was like, I would have been like, (laughs) but um, you know, since you were talking about something you read, I read this earlier and I don't know if it's true. I'm hoping that it's not because I know you can't read everything on the internet and expect it, you know, to be exactly what it says. But somebody said that they're going to open the schools and they're going to have, I forgot what all they said. Like you can only go one way in certain parts of the school and um, the the classrooms are going to have less students so they can be six feet apart. And there's going to be certain kids starting at this, like maybe 500 kids will be coming at eight and then another 500 coming in. And I thought, this is just ridiculous. I mean, I, that's just my opinion. I think that th- keeping people, kids away from each other is going to be pretty much, I, I think it's going to be pretty difficult. I mean, I think you would be better served to just be ha- put hand sanitizer in every kid's hand when they walk in the door or something, you know? I mean, trying to keep them apart is going to be impossible. Well, yeah. And, you know, I read, I don't remember when it was. I want to say it was about a month ago. Um, I read that in Israel, kids went back to school, you know, way ahead of our kids, but they were going, they had a lot of rules. There's absolutely no touching one another. There's absolutely no sharing any supplies. So they're definitely making measure. And I imagine that'll be the same here when we all go back, when our kids are all going back to school. But I thought that was kind of interesting though. They, they went back several weeks ago, but definitely with a lot of caution and new rules yeah wow so yeah what you were describing makes sense I could totally see that well I'm Um, glad that that wasn't during our time because I'm I'm not saying I could I have to you know it's not like you have to touch somebody but I just I mean the school I went to was very small I went to Red Oak very small but the halls were packed and there was tons of people there and you couldn't walk down the hall without bumping into somebody because of the crowding and mm-hmm. it, it oh yeah cool I mean it, there was you know ninth through 12th grade there and my graduating class was 114 people and it was packed the halls were packed so mm-hmm. I, I don't know how they're going to do that I just can't even imagine my wall of streams and I'm so glad that it's not me having to do it <laughs> <laughs> they're out of school so thank goodness yeah I didn't realize that your graduating class was that small yeah, 114. That's Red Oak High School? Yep. Wow. That's crazy. There's a picture of us on a bridge um, off of, I think it's Hampton Road. Um, when you're coming down to Ovilla, going towards, o- when you're going towards Ovilla, off of Ovilla Road, and you get mm-hmm. left on Hampton. I'm sure you know where I'm talking about. Um, I lived we- off Hampton and DeSoto for many years. Yeah. So you would have lived to the right. This would have been to the left. And... Uh-huh. Um, anyway, there's a there used to be a bridge there a long time ago, and uh, that's where they took our senior pitcher. And yeah, 114 people. Wow, no wonder we DeSotoites called it Dead Oak. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. that was like, when so I ridiculous. Moved, when I first moved there, they didn't have. Um, it's going to sound so funny. They didn't have any red lights. 
I mean, it, it just makes me sound like I'm a million years old, but I'm not. But um, <laughs> there was no red lights and there was no, uh, there was only like a small grocery store. And I think if anybody listens to this podcast and if I'm right, they're going to be going, yeah. But there was only a small grocery store called Stanford's. And at, at one point they turned the Stanford's into a funeral home and then they demolished the funeral home and the other day I was driving through Red Oak and I noticed that it's now something completely different and I don't remember what it was but it's like a brand new building there but anyway that was the only grocery store there was and so if you wanted to go to a big store you had to go to DeSoto to the Kroger or the Walmart oh yeah that Walmart mm-hmm. um I remember when they opened it on 35 there on the access road yep is that what you're talking about yes yeah, it used, it's actually Kroger now. The Kroger used to be Walmart, and then the Office Depot used to be Kroger. <laughs> and then that other, on the other side where the uh, Long John Silver's is, that used to be Kmart. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're really making ourselves sound really old. <laughs> I know, right? But anyway, um, so yeah, Reddick was really small. There was no red lights or anything. And then one day, me and my mom was at the corner of 342 and Ovilla Road, at a gas station right there was an Exxon and we were literally walking in the store and all of a sudden we heard tire screeching and then bam and it was a, a really bad wreck right there two cars ran into each other and um it wasn't but about a month later and they put a red light up there and then then from there they went but that was the first red light in Red Oak <laughs> So, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. It was a pretty, that's why they called it dinner because there was nothing to do there but get in trouble or go to the, I think the hay, uh, the uh, haunted house was the biggest thing in Red Oak, pretty much. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think you're right. And that's then I interesting. have two kids and um, they were both born in Waxahachie and then they went to Red Oak too and both graduated from Red Oak. <laughs> oh, that's neat. How many were in their graduating classes? Um, m- much more. Yeah. Um, I don't know the number, but I'm going to say probably, let me think for a second. Justin actually graduated from Waxahachie, but he went to Red Oak pretty much the whole time. We moved right at the end of his senior year or the middle of senior year. Um, I want to say like 300 or maybe four. Mm -hmm. And Justin's was much bigger because he went to Waxahachie. So his, his, um, uh, graduation mm-hmm. was really long <laughs> and I say yeah. it, my cousin graduated from Plano and I remember going to her graduation it was like a freaking hour or more and mm-hmm. it wasn't even close to that so anyway but um yeah I'm just small town yeah I don't know why the DeSoto kids, why we called Red Oak Dead Oak, because it's not like DeSoto was a happening place either. I mean, <laughs> we didn't have any business calling it Dead Oak. I mean, it was dead where we lived too. Well, you know, that's funny because that's where everybody went from my town was to DeSoto to cruise the strip. <laughs> I remember that driving aimlessly through down Hampton around Pleasant Run and back that was, was like the a, thing to do it was like a path you went all the way down <laughs> you, I, think it was, I can't remember the road but it was a pleasant run and you turned around at the water burger you hung out there and you went back down to the taco bell <laughs> <laughs> my kids would be like what i'm gonna have to tell them about cruising i don't even think they are aware that we did that but so that was a big deal and that shows you 
just how incredibly boring our town was that we that was what the teenagers all did yep that is hysterical i know it is funny just thinking back about it but i mean i remember going with friends and being like we got to get dressed and get ready we're going cruising (laughs) it just makes so funny i know it's hilarious no and i remember we would my best friend and i would do it and we would meet guys from lancaster and you know different surrounding towns it was just like the social event of the week to (laughs) go cruising yeah for hours and hours and hours like i i think me and my friend would go till like i don't know one or two o'clock in the morning (laughs) and i'm sure her parents thought we were in my house my parents probably thought we were in her house i mean probably Mm -hmm. neither one of them would let us stay out that late (laughs) I am sure, Renee, long, long, long before we knew each other, we were on Hampton Road at the same time cruising. We probably were. Because we're, <laughs> I don't know if people know this, but me and her are very close in age. We're like, are we like two weeks apart in age? Yeah. And we graduated the same year. And ironically, we both graduated a year before we should have. We got moved up when we were younger. Yep. So that's just amazing. A lot of coincidences. And we were just at the next town over so but we didn't meet until many years later until we were like what 25 because <laughs> we're 29 now exactly. right yeah. so <laughs> but yeah this conversation makes it sound like we're like in our 50s or 60s but we're really not <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh but anyway yeah so we um we were living kind of parallel lives there and never met and then met many years later yep so anyway, so yeah, I hope that, I hope that something changes. I just feel like something, there needs to be a shakeup. Whatever they're doing isn't working. And I'm talking about just generally speaking, because I don't know what's not working because I don't know what they're doing, but we definitely feel like MPD, district attorney, Ellis County, I just wish everyone would get together and work on this. It feels very compartmentalized to me. Um, I just don't feel like there is a united group working on Missy's case. It just doesn't appear that way anyway. Right. Well, you know, I, I've been saying this, this quote forever, but it's, um, it's actually from Albert Einstein. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. I always Mm -hmm. say nothing changes if nothing changes. So if you don't change what you're doing, you're going to keep, everything's going to stay the same. So you're going to have to shake it up, you know, Um, and, and try something different because I mean, we're, we're, we're doing what we can to talk about the case, but obviously, and it's getting, you know, some attention, but it needs to be getting more attention. And, you know, and we can't force the police to do things. We can't go down there and go, excuse me. Hello. Can you uh, do something? (laughs) Because they're going to go, no. So, I mean, I guess we're just going to have to try different things. Maybe we can figure out a way to get a billboard. Maybe we can find a reporter, journalist, someone who's interested in doing a story, you know, or getting some information. Mm-hmm. maybe getting getting police to release another tidbit something you know a little um token you know something i don't know just yeah and if the, if, if the police would talk to the public it would do a couple things it would get it back in the public eye and get people thinking and being more alert and looking out for things that might be clues that would help the police but also i mean they could the police could literally ask for help they could say 
you know, we have resolved the situation with the Nissan Altima, or they could say we are still actively looking for the Nissan Altima. Thank you for your efforts and please continue to look for it. Or they could say anything. They could, like you said, they could release some more of the video. You know what? There might be about the whole thing. I mean, not, not the whole thing, but crazy about, you know, us talking about this is that to me, um, I literally just lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. It just, that's okay. It there and it just went poof. Well, uh, it is, it is after one o'clock in the morning. So <laughs> you yeah. get a pass for being tired. Sorry. I had a little, uh, a snafu here and it kind of messed up everything. Right. That's um, okay. We were but, wrapping it up anyway. So don't worry. Right. But I want to tell you this one thing, if I can remember what I was going to say, I just hate it when I do that. You know, it just happens all the time. Um, oh my gosh. I'm going to have to start writing stuff down. <laughs> my mom says, right. Hey, that's all right. <laughs> I'll think of it in a second. Hey, don't worry about it. If you think of it, just go for it. But, yeah. Um, I was just thinking that, you know, they could say, um, here's another piece of the video. Maybe seeing the perpetrator walking in a different pl- way would you know, jog someone's memory that they know someone like that, or tell us another clue that you haven't made public. Like the small dark SUV is in the search warrant affidavit. They've never asked the public about that. It's kind of late now. I wish they would have done it on day one, but you know, just there's so many benefits to talking to the public. I don't see any drawbacks at this point. Do you? No, absolutely. I do not. I mean, I, I think it would be just, it would just completely be nothing but a, a, a plus, you know? Oh, um, oh my gosh. How do you think of something that you're going to say? And then as soon as you think it, it just goes away again. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> also mean, called being 10 minutes after 1am too. <laughs> I love that during the day, but <laughs> oh, I remember. Oh, never mind. I don't remember anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I don't think that there's any, I, I think it would just, it would completely just be a plus. There's no, to me, there's no way that it would be bad for them to, you know, give uh, more information. I mean, anything would be a plus and it would get people to talking. Um, I mean, you can't lose with, with keeping the, oh, I know what I was going to say. Okay. I remember. Thank goodness. Okay, good. <laughs> My brain is finally working. Um, mm-hmm. So you know how we see people um, like uh, posting stuff on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, or whatever, and they they say something like, you know, you know, help find Mrs. Killer, whatever. I'm just, you know, whatever, just some news source or whatever. And people will constantly come on there and go, oh, that wasn't solved. I had no idea. I didn't know they hadn't found the killer. Every single time people say that they're like shocked. Oh my gosh. I had no idea. That is the part that just blows my mind that there's so many people that don't know that this case hasn't been solved, but it's because it's not in the forefront of their mind because nobody's saying anything, you know? Right. I mean, that's, 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 that's bad because it was on the TV. It was on every channel. You turn every channel, you turn it on. It would be something, a little piece about it. And now there's nothing. And, you know, and you would think that they would want it to be in the forefront of everybody's minds. You know, they, they, they want, we want to find the killer, right? Well, we need to keep this thing going. And it's just sad that we're the ones and, and the public and the people that, you know, listen to it. We know they, they're interested in it because they tell us all the time. I can't believe that nobody's been caught. I can't believe that just sad that we're all the ones collectively trying to figure out how to make this thing stay 
you know. Yeah, I don't get it. The the media is supposed to be helping us hold our government accountable. I mean, where are they? I mean, we've said that before. Where the heck is everybody? I just feel like crickets are chirping. I hope we're wrong. I hope behind the scenes they're just frantically solving this case and getting their ducks in a row and they're going to make an arrest and there's going to be an indictment. I don't, I just don't see it. I don't think that I'm losing hope in that. And um, I don't see it happening anytime soon, but Hey, I'm wrong all the time. So let's hope that I'm wrong again here. I hope so. Actually. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think that we covered everything that we plan on planned on covering. Um, with the the uh, with the exception of my little uh, room change, but everything's right. good. Things are quiet, so yeah. Um, I, I think and- this is a record. This is the latest we've ever recorded. It's almost one fifteen in the morning, and we're just now <laughs> wrapping this thing up. But we did have a long break in between while you moved hotel rooms, and I went grocery shopping late we night. Have, grocery we shopping. We haven't been on the phone before this late for many times. But yeah, oh, we've been definitely. I was just meant like. <laughs> We're not oh, counting yeah. messenger phone calls. We're talking strictly <laughs> recording this podcast. That's the record. Yeah, That's funny. Well, we really thank everybody for listening to True Crime Broads. Thanks for the time that you spent with us. And um, please let us know if you have any questions, concerns, or ideas. We would love to hear from you. 